This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. What's going on? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, John Kelly here with the man who has the Midas touch when it comes to all things backpacking, and that is Jeremiah Stringer. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. What's going Doing on, right? bro? Doing all right? Yeah. Having a great day with you. Yeah. Well, this is our third podcast today. Now, everybody else, you're going to hear these over three weeks. Yeah. But we're doing this in one day. Yeah. We should do daily podcast, 365 days for a year straight. What do you think about that? No. Don't, don't um, quit your day job. I, I don't think that's a good idea at all. <laughs> but, um, may, maybe, if we get, maybe if this could become our living at some point, we could do like Monday through Friday. Yeah, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Or I'm Monday, lazy. Wednesday, Friday, because we need time to backpack. <laughs> yes. We can't be backpacking if we're doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah. You can't do it so, every day and backpack. It's not possible. Yeah. So we'll have to think about it. Yeah, that's okay. We'll have to think about it. Yeah. As long as it's 60-40 me, we're good. Hey, check this out, man. Okay. I want every, if you're not watching on the, the YouTube channel, Backpacking Podcast on YouTube, you can't see right now, but I'm still going to describe it. I have this luscious... Like a 20-inch beard growing 20 out. 20-inch? It's down to my navel. It is, it's not even barely covering your chin right now. <laughs> no, I have been growing it back out, man. You I have been growing it, it back out. Shaved it back in December, and uh, and now it's coming back in full force. And John? I don't want to hear it. I made a huge mistake. <laughs> and the difference between me and Jeremiah is I'll admit it was a mistake. <laughs> I meant to trim this beard. And instead of trimming, I took the first swipe and realized the guard lied to me. Oh, no, man. Yeah, it was one of those things where the guard said eight. Mm-hmm. And it might as well have been a two. Like, it, it just cut everything off. Like, all that work, and it was gone. That's okay, man. It grows back. It you, was really disappointing. You know what's uh, very useful, though? And this brings me to today's uh, podcast and video sponsor. Which is Outdoor Beards. Yes. Outdoor Beards, who has some of the finest beard gear Known to man. Yeah, so my beard's coming back out. I use their products the entire time. Absolutely. Whenever, even, so I, I read this somewhere. I can't remember where, but apparently five-day stubble, women find it the sexiest on men. So even when I was going the most sexy five-day stubble, I still use this brush. I don't know if you use his brush oh, or yeah. a different brand, but it is absolutely fantastic, bro. Here's the thing. My wife just admitted to me. Don't ever shave your beard off again. <laughs> my wife likes the beard. Yeah. She likes the beard, and she likes the way my beard smells when I use the, uh, which one is it? It's the, it's the coffee one. Yeah. It the, smells just like a nice. It's like chocolate and coffee. And yeah. Like my wife smells it, and she just, let's just say she likes it. Finest, I'm going to leave it at that. She likes it. Joe. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Man. You know which one my wife, my wife likes? Which one's that? She likes the... Uh, Grandpa's pop. Oh, smells like, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and you know, it's odd. She absolutely hates the smell of like cigarettes and tobacco, but I put that and it smells It smells like a good smelling, you know, old-fashioned pop. It, oh, yeah. It's great. Well, what's great is they've got so many options too. You've got, you've got the balms. You've mm. also got the oils. He even has he had a chapstick. 
yeah. like lip balm. Yeah. And I've found that I really like his bar soap. That's Dude, the stuff I love, I've man. been using it exclusively. I have too. He has, I think, three different scents on the soap, and they all smell fantastic. And I've got every one of them. They're fantastic. Yeah. So if you're uh, wanting to get interested in growing that beard out or you've got one and you want to take better care of it, mm. definitely check out our sponsor, Outdoor Beards, and uh, tell Matthew we said hi. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Outdoor Beards, for sponsoring today's episode. So today... huh? We just got done talking in an episode about cottage companies versus big box brands. Mm-hmm. And the guy we're about to talk to is still, I guess you'd consider a fairly a cottage company, but he's making gear yeah. that feels almost like a big box brand. I'm interested to hear his take on this. Incredible clothing. Like, I'm serious when I say this. I said this in the last podcast. I said... There are companies that pick up their game, and then there's companies that revolutionize their game. Yeah. And I really feel like Outdoor Vitals, especially especially when it comes to clothing, mm-hmm. has really picked up the game. Yeah. And they're, they're doing things that other people aren't doing, and they're just making great gear. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to... Uh, it's actually Tayson. Yes. Who, who we're going to be bringing in. I'm excited to talk to him about his uh, more technical gear, too, like the backpack. Yes, he is the mastermind behind Outdoor Vitals. He is he is the man, the myth, the legend. You may all know him as the bearded guy that's on all the Outdoor Vitals videos. We know him as Tayson, and we're excited to welcome him into the show today. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. I feel like I'm walking down the runway to prices right with this <laughs> intro and feel like there should be applause. I mean, that was that was solid. Well, there's a whole we have we actually have an entire group of people here in the stands <laughs> that are cheering for you right now. We just don't we don't you know pipe it in because we don't want to give people too big of an ego. Yeah, I might get too excited. Yeah. True. <laughs> I do need to correct audience. one thing. I do need to correct one thing. I'm not the master mind behind OV. I'm the master beard behind OV. Oh, oh I like that. <laughs> nice man. Now I remember a few years ago when you shaved your beard off. Yeah. <clears throat> now, what was that all about when you did that? You did that to raise money for something, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I I threw out a kind of a a, a bet, I guess, to our audience on. Uh, so about three days left in our Loftec jacket Kickstarter campaign, where so we were pre-selling our Loftec jackets. Um, we were sitting at like five hundred fifty thousand, maybe six hundred thousand dollars in pre-sales, and I was like, if we break seven fifty, and I might have the numbers wrong, then I'll shave my beard off. And uh, literally in like 24 hours, like $150,000 came in in pre-orders. So you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I should have made this a million. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we got a good boost of revenue for a second. And then it was like revenue went down. I mean, you shave the beard off and revenue goes down. So that was the, the only time. Never doing it again. Never, never again. Never do. That's a, that's a healthy beard you got there, though, man. That's a healthy beard. My, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm highly jealous right now. I don't know if you heard us talking about it beforehand, but I I went to trim my beard and it did not go as planned. And I'm yeah. a little embittered by it. Yeah, mistake so, number one. Mistake yeah. number one. Just I, never never even trim, you know. You just <laughs> just let it go full. Just let you it got, go. Do you not um so I let mine grow for I don't know. What do you think it was, like 16, 18 months, somewhere? It was Something a like long that. time. It was a long time. Almost a couple of years. It got really, really long, and I was using a ton of product in it, and uh, luckily we were fortunate enough to get sponsored and you know, keep working with outdoor beards, but uh, I still had to 
trim it up quite a bit, even whenever it's very long. Do you have to uh, trim off the ends? Um, no, I I pretty much never have. I think I did it previously, like years ago. But uh, no, I just I just let it go. It is kind of getting. If I lean up here, it's starting to get wow. to like it's it's cap. You know what I mean? So maybe that's in my future. I don't know. Now, are you thinking of braiding that thing at any point and put oh, some I, fancy I do. some yeah. fancy stuff in it? You gotta yeah, dazzle this, the beard. This might get a little too personal, but we've been training for some some running stuff uh, this summer. We're gonna do some some fast packing and some running and and whatnot. And uh, I haven't ran, man. I was like a I was a thrower in track and a lineman in football, mm. and so like running was just not even on my radar. But I've learned to like running this summer. And after we were doing one of my runs, one of my employees is like, "Man, that beard's got to be so hot." And I was like. No, I don't, I don't notice anything. And then like a week later, I went out for a run and it's been crazy hot here in Utah. And I, I took my shirt off and was running and literally anywhere my beard was, I could feel this immense amount of heat. And so, uh, anyways, so for things like that, I will braid it or at least throw like a little tie in it or something like that and get it out of the way, especially longer backpacking trips. I, I'll usually, uh, throw something in it to, to keep it a little bit more. Cause I mean, it, it doesn't stay quite this this nice on day two, day three, day ten. <laughs> you got, got the makeup on, the beard done for oh, the camera. Yeah. yeah. No, this is this is just the heat, man. I'm a red. I'm a red dude. So <laughs> I, I didn't. This is non makeup, non blush. You know, I know a lot of people love those rosy cheeks, but they're just natural on me. Well, I was gonna tell you. Um, you mentioned the football. I played football in high school, and at the time, I was like 275 pounds. I was a lineman, and so the goal was to last like six to eight seconds during that play and you ran about three or four yards you know every play see i'm the exact opposite of both of you guys i was the defensive back and a wide receiver and so oh. i went the opposite direction you guys lost weight and became like normal looking people and i just ballooned up and turned into a fat slob no, so like you know john has been cutting weight like crazy lost yeah, a little bit of weight he we, looking good we went and ate lunch together today no croutons. No on croutons. No. It actually come with croutons. <laughs> no and croutons. He, he took them off. No, I can't eat those things. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to tell you another thing. Um, I work with a guy, and I put a video out not too long ago where we went backpacking together. Um, one of my buddies, he's an art teacher at the school I teach at, and his beard, he trimmed off like 80 inches of it, man. It was still down to his belly button. He keeps it braided like all the time, and he runs. He, he plays soccer, so he and he also trail runs a lot. And he said the worst is like um, it'll get trapped under his armpit, and it'll it'll rub you so raw. That's awful. Isn't it? That's like having a rope. I mean, you think about it; it's like a rope. Mm-hmm. It's like if you took a rope and put it under your arm and just rubbed it back and forth for a while, that would hurt. You know, we yeah. get we get a little bit of uh, hate for talk- <laughs> talking so much about beards at the beginning, but I, th- this is your logo right up here in the top right that I'm yeah, seeing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you guys got some work to do. That's where, <laughs> that's where our beards were. That was actually us. That, okay. okay. That was a silhouette that, of us. That was actually us. That, that we, we so. read it. We read it our logo like two, three years ago and we got a lot of votes to like make the logo a beard. And I was like, no, it's just not, not on the table, but you guys committed and then you shaved your beard, so there's man, there's some issues here. Thing. He was okay with doing his. I was not okay with mine. Mine was actually an accident, and it's so I'm so bitter about it. To be honest All with right. you, I am thoroughly bitter. And I told him it's easy, man. Just don't shave. Just don't shave, and you'll be back to where it's just. Right. I'm just still bitter about it. I look in the mirror every day and go, "What the? It, this is stupid." 
So I'm so mad about it. Like I I did it, and then I was getting comments on videos up from YouTube. People going, "Man, I like the new shaved look." Blah 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 blah. And I would respond every time with, "I don't." <laughs> <laughs> Just like I'm glad you all like it. I hate it, but oh, yeah. it'll grow back. It'll grow back. We'll get it. So let's Good. let's talk Good. a little bit about outdoor vitals, man. That's 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 why we're here. We want to hear about outdoor vitals. I want to let you know I am a fanboy of outdoor vitals. I am actually a Live Ultralight member. Nice. So I every month you didn't know this, did you? I can't. I think you might have told me at, before. Every month I put about ten dollars. I put ten dollars in to yeah. my account at, at outdoor vitals. And so once it gets up to a certain amount, I'm, there's something I'm really wanting to buy. Uh-huh. I already have the money saved up for it. Money's there. It's like a little savings account. That's so smart. It's a pretty sweet little setup. I, he's, I'm going to let him talk about that more later, but I, I'm part of that. I have a an underquilt, a 15-degree underquilt from you guys. I have the Satu pants, which we were talking about earlier. I've got the Dragon Wool hoodie, and I've got your all's uh, backpack, the Shadow Light, which is a phenomenal backpack, and we'll talk about that in a little bit too. So I got a lot of outdoor vitals gear, Jeremiah. Mm. So I'm already closer to tasting on a personal level than you are by a long shot. My beard's closer to his beard. That doesn't mean squat right now. (laughs) Doesn't mean squat. Tayson, talk us through a little bit about starting Outdoor Vitals, what got you started, and uh, like, why would you want to go into an industry that is, that can be pretty rough at times? Yeah, it it can definitely be rough. Um, Guy, I don't even know how to answer that. It's, It's been such a journey, you know what I mean? So, I guess for me, I just, I really wanted to work with stuff I was passionate about and, and felt like, you know, I might be able to pull that off. And, um, really the premise of outdoor vitals where it started has changed so much, but initially, you know, I was this poor college kid and, and, uh, saw some opportunities to get into ultralight backpacking. I'd, and I was really interested in kind of the direct to consumer side of things. And so I, I just started piecing together all these things and, and thought, you know what, I, I can do this. Um, and originally the first goal I had was to launch a down sleeping bag that was just affordable to guys like me because I had like a nine pound synthetic sleeping bag that was like impossible to backpack with. And so when I was just getting more and more into the ultralight scene and, and whatnot, I, I just kind of set that off as a goal and, and went after it and, and we did really, really well with that. And then from there it was like, all right, let's raise the vision and, and, you know, it's been quite the journey, but I feel like we're just now like where I always wanted it to be. So there's a lot of years of, of building, you know what I mean? A lot of years yeah. that, that was back in 2014. So, um, it's been a journey and we can, we can dig and talk about whatever aspect is the most interesting, but now, how old are you? Cause you're a fairly young guy, right? Yeah. So I'm 30, wow. seven years doing this and he's 30. He's made some good decisions and worked hard. <laughs> no joke, man. In 23, see, I, I squeezed a four-year degree into six when I was in college. And uh, so I was still in college, like, in 23. I wasn't even out of college yet. Yeah, not Tyson. He had a vision. Tyson, man, that's that's pretty impressive, man. That's pretty impressive. Did you have any naysayers at the beginning? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely. Like, I've learned a lot of lessons. I mean, and, and the way I describe it is, like, the farther you move – like you're backpacking. If you're backpacking up a mountain, the higher you go, the farther you can see. And so in the beginning, I was just down on the trees and I was making stuff work and, and, you know, being pretty gorilla about things. And, you know, but the farther we move, the more we can see. And, and, and that goes into, you know, product quality that goes into partnerships that goes into, you know, things like, like, uh, 
you know, the biggest, the, the single biggest indicator to people of quality is price. And my goal literally in the beginning was to create really high level stuff and just try to do it at a, an incredibly low margin and do it direct to consumer. And so, you know, we were a few years into that and everyone start, starts calling us things like budget, you know what I mean? And, and, and it was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like that's the opposite of, you know what I mean? And, and, and so you just learn every step of the way, but you develop naysayers. And, and I guess the best way that I can put it is, is if you create anything in your life, no matter what it is, people are going to nitpick at you and pick things out. And you've got to know that ahead of time so that you can develop that thick skin. I'm sure no one's ever said a mean word about Jeremiah, but John, on the other hand, I'm sure someone constant, constant. Someone said something, right? But you're, you're going out there and you're creating and you're doing something. And I think everyone should applaud you for that. And, but you're, you're, you're going to get it. You're going to yeah. get it no matter how you turn it. It doesn't matter what you do. Like there's always going to be somebody who has a better idea than you do, at least in their mm-hmm. head. And so, so let me ask you this. I don't know if this is a question you want to answer, but I'm going to ask it. And you can always say, I don't want to answer it if you don't want to, but what's the dumbest thing you've done since you, since you started Outdoor Vitals? Oh, that is the <laughs> dumbest thing. Question. Holy smokes. Um, being that you, like you said, you started out in the trees, you know, where you can't see yeah. what's going on. What was the stuff yeah. you just did that you, looking back, you're like, man, if I could have not done that, that would have been, a, that would have been a lot better off. Yeah. The biggest thing I think that would have really helped was, you know, going through school and just going through life. Um, I really believed that like trying to own a category was the right way to, to do it. Right. Like if you go to, I don't know, say it's REI, you've got some brands that like own kind of a section in the sleeping pad area or something along those lines. And so they'd build their product lines really deep. So they'd have all sorts of options for just the car camper, the regular backpacker, the ultra light backpacker, and they'd create all these different um, lines going deep. Right. And so I spent a lot of time expanding in that sleeping bag category when it was completely wrong for this next generation of businesses. This next generation of businesses is you need one avatar and then you want to try to build as much as you can for that person. Right. Cause they don't need three options of sleeping bags from us when they're only going to buy one sleeping bag. So I spent a lot of time building deep instead of a little bit more I guess wide, you could say there's still, there's still reason to have options. Absolutely. But, um, definitely like we released like, uh, a cheaper synthetic sleeping bag that was still an awesome piece, but it just wasn't really targeted to who we wanted to target. And we released some other pieces. And so over time in the beginning, you know, we, we were just kind of zigzagging from where we really wanted to get to. Wow. I, I am very curious about something that you mentioned earlier. I'm no expert on it economics at all basic understanding but you talked about like the the price of goods and basically how much how much you would mark it up to to make a profit along with it being the right price for a consumer and i'm going to give you an example to, to help clarify things so the other day i was shopping for brake pads and rotors and i was on rockauto.com and I looked at a, a bunch of different ones, and I was looking at reviews and picking one out. And there was the same company, and both of the sets of rotors and pads, they came in a kit together, and they looked exactly the same. And their numbers, same company, It was one of them ended in 1-1, and then they had something that looked identical that ended in 1-2. There was like a $13 price difference. But I couldn't identify any 
difference in the products, same company. And I was like, well, which one should I buy? Is the one that costs more a better product? Is it the same product and they're charging more for it? How do you figure out what price point for, for you specifically is, is the, is the sweet spot? I'm sure it comes with experience and then, and weigh that with like the psychology and the economic standpoint of your buyer. Um, that is a good question. I will say this, I getting into this whole realm, I was an, an amateur, very, very similar to like what you're saying. Right. And now as we're to the point where you can literally see, you know, we're running in the same factories as some of these top, top tier dogs and you see the same fabrics and the costs on it and you see the same materials and you know what the sewing costs and the labor and you can back yourself right into their price points, right? And so then you see what they sell it for and um, that's where I develop a lot of passion, I'll just, I guess, is there's, it's it can be, it can, like if everyone could see that, you know, behind the curtains on some of the markups and stuff like that, it would almost make you sick. Um, you know, there's different businesses that'll, that'll allocate 30, 40% of their gross revenue goes straight into marketing or, or so on and so forth. Right. To the point where it's like you buy a product, a hundred dollar product, and you're literally paying back the company 30 to $40 just for their marketing. Right. That didn't go into the product quality. That didn't go into anything to say there. So it's, it's definitely an interesting topic because there's a lot of psychology goes into it. And then there's, there's other factors, but for us, we've always done a straight line markup. And so basically, as we've increased the quality of the components, the quality of the factories, the quality of the fabrics, just, you know, fill in the blanks, our prices have gone up accordingly. Um, and that and that's just been the way that we do it. And that's kind of how I feel the best about it. And that's why you, you'll see it on our website. We call it like honest pricing. It's, mm-hmm. it's just our straight line method to try to do it. Um, and then like as far as like a, a wiggle room factor for us, you're talking maybe like a 10% wiggle room factor to hit like a psychological number. So mm-hmm. like if it's, if it's something that might be $91 on a straight line, maybe we round it up to 99 or if it's like 203, we might round it down to 99, but you're talking a pretty slim margin for us in the rounding. Um, but there's, there's a whole there's a whole lot of stuff. I mean, some people really factor in R and D to the price point of a product. You know, if they're releasing something that's super unique and, and, and whatnot, maybe they're saying like, you can't get this anywhere else. So either we're going to charge much more to pay for R and D, or we're just going to charge more because we can, I think it's something to really pay attention to though. Um, because not all markups across all companies are equal. And sometimes that's that's something you want to know and then there's other guys one of our mutual friends i remember talking to him uh where he was like but the feeling you get when you open a box with a 500 hundred dollar jacket in it is something you can't replicate you know what i mean i'm like that's fair enough like you can't some people just want that right so mm-hmm. well the reason i ask is because you mentioned budget and i assume that you don't want to be painted as like the cheap alternative to something that people are like, oh, company A is a superior product and you have to pay so much more, but I can't afford it. So I'm going to go with company B, even though it's not as good, it's in my price point. And that's not, that's not what you want to do with your company. You want 
you know, you want to be innovative and you want to lead and you want to do things that you're passionate about, not just being the alternative. So that's the only yeah. reason I ask. Yeah, I think I think a great example of that would come with the fabric that we used on the Shadowlight. So obviously there's a lot of Dyneema packs out there and people get, you know, they're just they're just lighter, right? They're just f- lighter, but there's a huge markup and expense to that. And Speaking so, that, Jeremiah, will you go get that pack real quick? I think yeah, it's sitting right there. Absolutely. We've actually got one here. So while you're talking about, it, we'll kind of lift it up and kind of show people what you're talking about as you're as you're talking about it, because uh, I like the pack yeah. a lot. So okay, why not show yeah, it off yeah. while you're talking about it? <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, I mean, I guess I can wait for Jeremiah so I don't leave him hanging. But, but so essentially for us, there are kind of two factors that we're looking at, but the first and foremost is what is the best pack we can make, right? So to both me and my designer who have the biggest sway on this in the company, as far as what we select, um, Dyneema has a lot of pros, but there, there's definitely cons and they rarely seem to get talked about. Um, but in our experience playing around with the fabrics and stuff like that, it, it was definitely a concern for us. And so in that scenario, there's great things from Dyneema. I'm not saying that there's not, but there's also good things from using a high-end nylon. So when it came to this particular piece there in front of you, we were able to actually custom build a fabric, work directly with a mill to custom build this fabric where we were able to use Spectra, which I'm going to forget the name. It's like a ultra-high polymolecular something, which Spectra, which is what Spectra is and basically what is what Dyneema is. They're just two competitors making a similar product, right? So so in our pack, we've got a Spectra ripstop going through it um, with a aerobic nylon, which is everything else. And what that gave us is it really took away a lot of the negatives of the Dyneema side of like, whether it be the little pinpoint or pinprick type things that can develop in them or the like abrasion, how much abrasion can affect Dyneema compared to say a nylon. Um, and so we're able to kind of custom build a piece that we feel like is superior. Like if you put this pack next to a Dyneema pack for me, if I was an average consumer, I would want this pack because the durability and longevity should be a lot longer on it. And from what we've tested and seen it is. Um, so that's kind of step one to answer your question of like, yes, we could build a more expensive pack. We absolutely could, but is it the right thing to do? And then there is definitely a question in our process of like, is there a way to, to, to basically 80, 20 it a little bit, like a little bit. It's, it's not, it's not a big factor in, in the conversation, but like, obviously if we made that same pack in a Dyneema and it's $500, what does that mean for the average consumer versus making this pack in, in something else? Um, so we definitely weigh on that a little bit, but it's not a massive factor in, in our design process. So I don't know if that, that's a very long roundabout way of answering your question, I guess, but no, I thought that yeah. was absolutely great job answering the question. I yeah. do want to we're talk not, about this. Yeah, this like is, we're not trying to design for a price point. I guess is the is the biggest takeaway from all of that. We're, yeah, I I think when you mentioned it earlier about not wanting to be known as the budget company, like when you think of budget gear, you don't necessarily think of quality gear. Like sometimes mm-hmm. that's that's where the confusion gets to be between those two things. Um, whereas your gear is priced more budget friendly. It's not necessarily budget gear. Does that does that make sense? Is that fair a fair statement to say? Yeah, yeah, and that's really the direct to consumer side coming in. Yeah. 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 Now I will say this. Um, I noticed maybe it was a year ago 
when uh, I guess it's over a year now. It's been about a year and a half since like you started releasing the Dragon's Wool stuff and the Satu pants and things like that started becoming uh, started coming out. It seemed like you guys all picked up your game. Like not that you weren't not that it wasn't good before, but it just seems like you went from being uh, an upstart to like a player, a straight up player in the game with the the new gear that started coming out. Um, I haven't had a chance to check out the Ventus. Is it the Ventus hoodie? Is that what it's called? Yeah, um, but yep. Devin Ashby told me about that and he was just bragging on how good that thing is. And mm. he and I both had this conversation and we both said, man, outdoor vitals has just picked their game up. And yeah. uh, I mean, do you feel like there was a, a turn somewhere in there that caused that to happen or? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, obviously that was our goal for a long time, but getting there is, is no easy feat. And so for us, there's, I would say there's two turning points that happen very close together. Um, the first one was the Loftech adventure jacket. So that piece raising a million dollars in pre-funding with all, you know, across all, all crowdfunding um, gave us this, this essentially badge that I was then able to take and go talk to the number one factories, you know, in the world and say, this is who we are. Look what we've done. And by the way, this is third party verified right? Like this isn't me shooting you projections and hopefuls and whatever. This is me saying, literally, this is what we've done. This is what sold. Look at this. And with that, I was able to start bringing on next level partners, right? For fabrics, for cut and sew, for all of that, right? Like, and, and that, so basically I, I started working on that right after that campaign. So that's kind of the end of 2000. When was that? That was 18, I think. Um, so we're using that and we're growing our network a ton. We're making a lot of changes there. And then about quarter two of the next year around April, May is when I hired our product designer Brigham to that point, I had designed every piece of gear for us and um, him being able to one, just be talented. And, and, and I, I love working with Brigham. I'll never discredit anything he does and brings to the team. He's just an awesome guy. Um, and we have just a great relationship as far as how we mesh and work together. And, but, but him being able to spend all of his time in product design instead of finance, marketing, product design, you know, managing customer support, managing this, managing this, um, really allowed us to just get to another level for sure. And so obviously the hard part being in my position is I always see what's coming and I always see what's ahead because we're working on products that are six months, 12 months, two years out, you know, and, and so you're all, I'm always living in that realm. Um, but man, the, the ability of what we have now to just, to just work with higher level stuff, be, be testing and product testing so many more options at all times, and then fine tune everything as it comes through the pipeline has just gone up so significantly since 2018. And that's, it, that's what's so fun about all of this is I actually in a quarterly meeting that we just had with, with um, our management team, I cut a clip that Devin put in one of his videos where he's like, what is going on with Outer Vitals? Like they've just upped their game and this, that, and the other. And I put it in there and I was just like, people are getting it. They're finally seeing what I feel like I've been working so long to get to. And, and that's really rewarding. Yeah. I was going to say like, it just, I, I noticed it the pants were the one that were the kicker for me. Cause I yeah. got the pants first and I wore, I literally wore them out. Like you and I were talking about it before. I think I actually wore them out to the point where I broke the snap on them. Like, cause I just, I just, I mean, they, I wasn't just wearing them on trail. I was wearing them as a daily pair of pants because they didn't look like hiking pants. 
So they just yeah. look like a pair of really cool gray pants that I could wear during the day at, at home and wherever else at work or whatever. And uh, so th- that was when I first noticed it. Then I got my hands on the Dragon Ball hoodie. And that's where I was like, that's two in a row that are just like, that's good stuff. You know, it's just, it, it was good stuff. And then we got our hands on the backpacks earlier mm. this year. And I was just like, dang, what is going on? These guys are just like, they're picking the game up. This is really good stuff. And all of this was, it was cool that we got in touch with you and we were able to get you on here because I wanted you to hear that. Cause I, I think as an owner, a lot of times you probably hear a lot of crap. You'll hear people that don't like stuff probably more often than you hear from people that like stuff. Um, because like you said, when you create things, people have an opinion and, uh, but I want you to hear the stuff that I've been seeing coming out has been unbelievable. Like knowing that you've only been around since 2014 and knowing that you're only 30 years old. I mean, come on, man. Like you're killing it. Like you really are. And, and it's, uh, it's impressive. It's really impressive what you pulled off in such a short amount of time. I know for you, it probably feels like a century, but <laughs> seven years is not a long period of time, especially when you considered you started this at 23 with, yeah. and you were broke. Yeah. At least the story I read about it was you were broke. Yeah. Graduated college had about 500 bucks. I felt like I could put into something like that. And that's how it, I was, I was selling factory samples is what I was doing. <laughs> that's like that's in the very beginning. Right. But, but yeah. And, and two thoughts on that really quick. Um, with that snap that you just mentioned, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out here. Um, contact, go through our go through the system to to see the warranty replacement side of it. Okay, and report back to your podcast because I think that you'll find also that that that's that it'll be handled well. And and I don't know, I don't know. Like I said, I've never heard of a snap breaking, so this may be a new thing. And throw the the support team, but um, we've done a lot of work on 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 that, and I think you'll have a good experience. On yeah. the other note, too. There has, you know, there's the thing I think that is different for me is there's a lot of companies that'll, they, it's just, and it kind of sickens me. There's so many companies that start with the end in mind of just like sell the company, cash out, go sit on a beach, whatever it is, or, or starting it at that age, like this would be the easiest thing to have done. And, and maybe I'm dumb for not doing this. I don't know, but I don't, I hope not. Um, you know, I could have taken this and in around 2017, 18, just sold the business, right? And started my second business. Because almost any company out there that you see that's like highly successful, usually it's the owner's second, third, fourth business. They they go cut their teeth. They learn all the things not to do on a first business. Then they wash their hands clean of it and start a second one. And to me, I could never get over the fact that like if I sold the business, I'd want to just go start the same business again and how that just didn't feel right to do. And so, yeah, we've, we have to overcome things that I did when I was 23, 24, 25, and was still learning a lot of the business lessons you have to learn. But, um, it's really rewarding to hear you, you know, talk about that and and feel like you, you know, that people are, are seeing what we want them to see and, and seeing all the hard work that the team here puts in. Yeah. So you use a phrase with, uh, with your gear, live ultralight. Where did that come from? Yeah, Live Ultralight really came from the mindset of once you start ultralight backpacking, it becomes a mindset. It's not like I'm I'm an ultralight backpacker one week a year and then like none of the stuff that I do there applies to any other aspect of my life. What we found is that as you get into ultralight backpacking, you start to become more of a, a minimalist. You start to you know just care more about stuff that can do more than one thing. 
you start to want the higher end stuff that's going to last longer and perform better. So instead of going and buying five cotton t-shirts at a store, you might literally buy one that's just, you know, it's going to last, that's quality, whatever it is, right? And so this, this concept really stemmed from ultralight backpackers. Once they catch that vision and get on board with it, it, it bleeds into everything else, whether that be even travel, um, you know, turning into one bag travelers. You don't check bags anymore. You just have your carry on because you can live months. You know what I mean? Just washing your second pair of clothes and, and rotating. And, and so to us, that was a big factor. And then another factor for us too, and why we put a lot of energy and effort into like our warranty programs and our refurbished programs is the more you get out in nature, the more you care about it and the more you want to take care of it. And so living ultralight also has a, an environmental connotation of, of just the more time you get to spend outdoors, the more you, you care and want to take care of it. So there, it just, it, it bleeds a lot of things in, but really it's just taking that ultralight um, backpacking mindset and, and showing how it bleeds in the rest of your life. Gotcha. That's cool. Well, I, if you're okay with it, I would love to have some civil discourse on it. this uh, shadow light backpack. I'm ready. I, I want to, uh, I think you're going to get both sides here because uh, okay. I'm sure there's things that people love and don't love about everything that you design. So if you're open to it, I'd like to talk about both. I don't want to blow smoke up your hind end, but also I don't want to attack you. So. Um. Don't even worry about it. You're such a polite guy that you could say it sucks, and I'd be like, "You're right, Jeremiah." <laughs> okay, we it's the, need it's to the rethink accent. our lives and our values. And, and I wish you know, I grew up in a small town. I I can't talk as hick as you, Jeremiah, but maybe I'll try to turn on some of my hick accents. You know, <laughs> I'll rub off on you a little bit. <laughs> okay, I gotta tell you first of all, my absolute favorite thing about this Shadow Light 45 liter backpack is the hip belt pockets. The my Canon M50 with a prime lens, like a pancake lens, fits mm -hmm. inside of the hip belt pocket, and I don't have any other backpacks. Like my Chicken Tramper, I use a fanny pack with it. It doesn't have hip belt pockets, and it fits in there. But this is the only pack that I have that fits my entire camera, and that's very very important to me. Like a lot of people use those clips on the uh, the shoulder straps. But I don't like that because I feel like it's a lot of weight on my shoulder. It's not comfortable. So mm -hmm. why did you all design the pockets so big? Um, pretty much for that same reason is is we wanted to have the ability to have a lot of quick access items. And also, there are people that put stuff on the shoulders. And I'm not going to say we're never going to do something like that. But by putting it on the hip, it is a better location for for weight, right? So really, we just wanted to have the ability to, to keep a lot of things close at hand able to move more on the trail and um honestly they're big enough i think i've said in some videos where like i literally like thought i lost things in the pockets before <laughs> like i i in one of our rd trips i thought i lost my keys i checked this pocket this pocket this pocket and i was like i lost my keys and i took off the backpack and i dug through them and i found my keys and i was like these things are so big you can lose stuff in the hip belt pockets we added two key clips by the way after this trip but um yeah, I, I, that's the main reason is, is you got to have your goodies close at hand and just those other small items. And in a lot of ultralight backpacks, there's not a good place to keep small items, like mm -hmm. even your headlamp and stuff like that. Like you could easily keep that in the backpack if there was a small pouch for it where it's not going to migrate and move everywhere. Whereas mm -hmm. with those hip belt pockets, the way that they are, you can keep stuff that also you might not need right then, but it's just a smaller item that could get lost in the pack. And yeah, the, the, 
So I told my wife about this. I got this backpack, right? Y'all mailed it to me. And I was like, oh, there's a key clip inside of the uh, the hip belt pocket. Because I take like, typically I wear like cargo pants or cargo shorts. I want something with a couple extra pockets. Because a lot of times, like you said, the backpack just doesn't have a space for like, where do you want to put your chapstick? Where do you want to put your Bluetooth headphones? That kind of stuff. And yep. I was like, Bridget, look, this has a key clip inside of the hip belt pocket and i was like you know what would have been really smart if they put one in both of them and then i looked and there i'm not kidding he's right there was one in both pockets and i was like man i guess they thought of everything i thought that i was being totally original there and and you all did it i do so now let's let's take something it's not that i'm uh i'm against it or that i don't like it i just don't I don't understand why y'all put a zipper in the middle, but it's only for my needs because I use a bag liner because this bag's not waterproof. Mm -hmm. So if I submerge it, my stuff is going to get wet. Or if there's heavy downpour for extended amount of time, I assume that your stuff will get wet. So I didn't know how, how can I utilize this uh, zipper on the front between the mesh pockets? If I use a bag liner and then it's typically everything in the bag liner and then like my cook kit and food above it. So does this yep. have any application for me? And why did y'all choose to design it that way? Yes. So a couple things, I guess, to touch on there. Um, number one, I had actually previously designed a pack years ago. And one of the features that I built onto it was a side access zipper. Mm-hmm. And that became the most talked about feature on the entire pack. Just tons of people loved that feature and be able, being able to get into the bottom of the pack without totally unloading it and and so on and so forth. And so that became something we wanted to put onto the Shadowlight based off of all of that feedback. Um, so really, yeah, the point is to be able to get access to any part of your pack at any time. Obviously, we all load things and carry things a little bit different. The way that I use it, because um, I'm very similar to you. Now, in Utah, a lot of times I can get away with not taking a bag liner or just putting it in the bottom and not really utilizing it because it is so dry. But, um, you know, when I'm in other areas, what I'll do is I'll do the same thing as you. I'll take the stuff that I'm not going to need throughout the day and stuff that's more sensitive to getting wet. I'll put that in the bag liner and I'll kind of twist that up and tie it off. And then anything else like my cook kit, my food, those types of items, I'll put in the top of the pack or, or wherever I want really. And then I can still pull those out. It doesn't really matter if my cook kit gets rained on per se, um, or my the outside of my Ziploc food bag gets rained on. It doesn't really matter to me. And so those items I will keep. So there is still that quick access. Um, it's definitely a preference and really it's just about adding that extra feature for the people that really want that quick access. We've worked with a lot of people that never touch that zipper um, just because they're probably used to not ever having that zipper. And so they're used to packing their bag a certain way, but that was the whole thing is we had a ton of feedback on it. And uh, so this, with this backpack, we, we, we did it. You know, one of the things I like that's a result of having the zipper but I would actually like, even if the zipper wasn't theirs, I like having the two separate mesh pockets. Yeah, that is cool. That is the one thing I've liked. And the reason why is because I'm a, I'm a hammock camper. And so my tarp, if, if it's really humid, it doesn't matter if it rained or not. The, the tarp's going to be covered in water when I wake up in the morning. I'll dry off as much of it as I can, but there's always going to be some left over. It's nice to be able to stick my tarp in one side, and it doesn't get everything else in that pocket wet. 
which is which has been nice. The two times that I've I've been able to use it on a trip where that happened. And so I was able to keep my tarp and hammock stuff on one side and then the other stuff on the other side. And I didn't have to worry about everything being soaked. I, I don't know if that was, I know that that's probably not why this was intended, but that's that for me has been a result that I really liked. was just the simple fact that I could keep dry stuff on one side and anything that's soaked on the other. Um, yeah. And we, it, when we were, oh, I was going to say when we were designing that, that was definitely, we came up with it and we're like, that's a really cool concept, but what if you can't get all the stuff you want in it, right? Like yeah. that was like the big fear is you've got something really big and, and so on and so forth. So when we got the first proto, so when Brigham sewed up the first proto here, um, that was like the first thing we did is we grabbed a two-person tent and we shoved it in one side and it fit and we're like, it works, sweet. Like it, everything else like is, that's going to be perfect because you do get that extra organization and it still can fit like the biggest thing we could really think of needing to go in there. Well, see, I've got a Dyneema tarp. And you know, we were talking about Dyneema a second ago. It does not get real small. Like it, it just, it just doesn't. It's not like nylon or sil poly or anything like that. So uh, I was really nervous about whether or not I could even get the tarp inside the pocket. But it, it got in there just fine. Oh, and so like stretchy. I said, yeah, they're really stretchy, super stretchy. Yeah. So that, so for me, it worked out really well. So that was one of the things I did like. And I don't like a lot of extra like zippers and latches and straps. But I do like having an extra pocket above the lower pocket. That I do yeah. like because I can put my water filter and everything here and water bottle can be down here and vice yeah. versa, whatever, on the other side. I do like that because I know this uh, Hilltop Packs, they actually did that with one of their packs. And I remember thinking to myself, man, that's a brilliant idea. And then when we got these sent to us, the first thing I noticed was the second set of pockets above the, the side pockets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, super, super useful. I One of my favorite features as well. You don't have to use them, and but if you want to, they're they're totally there. Um, yeah, the, vol- the also the volumizing. That's one thing that our designer really loves to talk about too. Is just on every set of pockets there, you'll see that there's added volume, and so mm-hmm. anytime you get that pack stuff full, you can still use those outside mm-hmm. pockets, um, including those upper ones, like you're saying. So I I tuck my water filter, you know, toilet kit and stuff like that in there, where it's just I always know right where it's at, and it's quick and easy to to find and. So. Yeah, I love that because my first backpack was an Osprey Atmos and it has like a front mesh and then there's a pocket on each side behind the mesh in between yeah. the mesh and the inside compartment. And it gave me just a little extra space to organize. So I needed somewhere to put like, uh, you know, my hygiene kit and that kind of stuff. And I didn't want it just strewn in my bag. So that's awesome. And I was also going to point out... um this is pretty genius. The water bottle pockets has a little, I don't know what the cordage is made of, but it's basically got an anchor point on one side on the back. And then on the front, it has a little hook that hooks and you can unhook it. And that's where I keep my camp shoes next to my water bottle. And I can unhook it or hook it and cinch it up to make sure that nothing's going to fall out there. And I haven't used it for a bottle, but I assume its main purpose was to like go under the lip of a one liter bottle and it's going to hug it against. Yeah. I mean, it was for a little bit for compression, but also things like tripods. Um, a lot of people love to to carry a tripod or just other things that are taller, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you can definitely use it with the bottle. The pockets are big enough though, that even with a s- smart water bottle, which is usually what I'm using, mm. you don't, it, it'll stay in that pocket and you don't have to use it, but just more so of a little bit of compression and a little bit of just, if you ever have anything that is taller or if you do want to secure it a little bit more firm. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about something that I don't like. 
Uh oh. Let's do it. Let's Uh-oh. do it. The I think the number one mistake on this backpack, something that you should add absolutely, is like my camp chair. All the backpacks that I have typically have like a little if you all would put like those hooks at the bottom, the same thing, the cordage that's uh that's over the water bottle pockets, if you all would put that at the bottom, then that would be perfect for a camp chair, but there might not be enough space. These the front pocket is so deep and gives you so much space. That's where I've been keeping it. But I assume so that y'all made a choice not to add that for some reason. You're saying to like tie something to the bottom of the pack? Yeah, yes. like if you put like a pad, here, like you see a lot of people put their pads there. A pad or I put camp chair there, like okay. uh, parallel to the ground, and then you could cinch it up. Like for people that are watching on the video, they can see what I'm doing. But And you can see too, you could cinch it up here and here. And then mm-hmm. your camp chair, it's the perfect spot for it because my camp chair, it takes up the entire pocket on one side. So I lose one side automatically. It's either put the camp chair on the outside or the inside, and I don't want to sacrifice the space on the inside. But I'd rather have it right here below the mesh pockets. Well, let's let's address the first elephant in the room. <clears throat> you got a forty. You got a forty-five liter backpack, right? <laughs> <laughs> whose idea was to give you a 45 i've seen i've seen some of the videos where you got that thing packed full and oh yeah we got we got some we got some come to jesus talks we need to do with just your, your base weight and some of that stuff you know um that's true anyways so so if you had the 60 liter maybe would have been helpful but on the feedback no it's really good feedback um obviously with anything we do we're we're always looking at feedback and looking down the road. And I don't want to say too much because there's nothing in the near future at all. But, um, you know, we've got lists coming. And, you know, for instance, this is one. Some people see that zipper and they just freak out that it's a failure point, right? Hmm. Freak out. Like, I didn't I don't, think of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Which Never is crazy because mind. there's a ton of big, big, reputable backpack companies that have zippers that do the same thing on there. Um, but they, they just are so nervous and we've never literally of the thousands we've sold of these never had one fail, never come back for failure. Right. So, but that might be something that we just figure out a, an easy way for someone that if, if somehow that zipper busted, they'd have the ability to use some cord or something to, to tie it back closed or, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So we've got lists that are already in the works and yeah, like loops can, on the inside on each side of the zipper or something like that whatever it might be. Yeah. Now, so there was a question asked to me by a couple different people about it. Um, why you guys didn't go with a waterproof style zipper? Um, mainly cause we didn't see a great need for the waterproof zipper. If we weren't going to seam tape the whole thing either, mm-hmm. cause the fabric is waterproof, but we didn't seam tape it and we have that zipper. And so mainly it would have been the commitment to do both seam taping and the waterproof zipper. We didn't see a great reason to do one without the other. That makes and sense. So, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I do want to point out that I love that y'all have two anchor points on. There's a strap that goes across the top. So you do a roll down top on this pack in particular. There's one anchor point next to your neck and the other anchor point is right above the uh, mesh. And you got two anchor points for the front, one on the back. That is smart. I don't like the two anchor points in the back because it just complicates things unnecessarily. And then one, one thing I absolutely love about this pack I don't know why every backpack does I don't know why they don't do this. I don't know. Every company should be using something stretchy here to put this pad 
So this Shadowlight backpack, it has a pad that comes with it. It's a framed pack, but it has a pad that goes against your back. That It has a couple little pockets that you slide the pad into. And it's made of the same mesh, I assume, that the front is made of. So it's really stretchy. And I don't know why every company that puts a pad back here doesn't have stretchy material on the back because it is so difficult. If you have the backpack already packed full, especially a frameless one, it's so hard to slide that pad back in there if you want to you know, sit down for a break, not unpack your backpack. Just use your pad and then slide it back in. But you all had the genius idea of putting that mesh back there, so it makes it super, super easy to slide the pad back in. Is that the reason that you all went with that? Yep, exactly. Wow, so smart. And one other thing. He was actually bragging on this in our last podcast, I think. So <laughs> you're about to hear something that everybody else has already you, heard. Yeah, with how much you guys talked about me in the last podcast, like we're going to two for one here. <laughs> uh, the other thing I was going to say about the pack, and I think this might be the last thing that I had, was you're all load lifters. You can slide this. I was talking to John about it. You can slide that up or down on the shoulder strap. So most load lifters typically have like an anchor point on the shoulder, sla- uh, shoulder strap, but you can't move the anchor point. And mm-hmm. yours completely customizable. You can slide it way down or way up, I guess, depending on your body type and how the backpack fits you. But kudos to you guys. That was a really smart idea of, of putting the, uh, the I don't know what, what you would call this, the, the things that you show, sew onto the shoulder straps. Yeah, the ladder lock, I believe. But I that's something I wouldn't mind bragging on our designer for and just, just in general is um, one of the biggest things that you're going to notice with that pack is assuming you know how to get the pack on and adjust it right, you're going to find that it's just immensely comfortable to carry for the reason that it has a 24-inch frame and you know optimal padding and hip belt sizes and things, right? Um one thing that, you know, growing up in Utah, there's quite a few hunters around. I mean, that's just part of life almost, it seems like here. And we're very, very familiar with um, packs that are carrying well over 100 pounds, right? Um, and and we, I feel like we do have some expertise in that. And when it comes to things like this, you will find that there's there's some extra expertise, in my opinion, put here. Simply, like, go find, and maybe I'm putting my money out there or my mouth out there too quickly, but like go look at the frame sizes on almost any other pack out there. And it's very rare. You find any pack that has a 24 inch frame. Um, but that 24 inch frame is critical to get the right angle above your shoulder for that load lifter to do anything. So most of the, the bags out there claim a load lifter strap, but the frame is so small that it's all it's really doing is pulling the back, the back of the backpack against your back it's not lifting it off your shoulders at all, right? And you need to lift it off your shoulders to transfer it to your hips and be comfortable. So it's just funny, wanted to point that out. It's funny you say that because I'm not going to say what company, but I had a backpack a few years ago that uh, the load lifters, when I'd pull it, I would just feel it pull it back into my back of my neck. And so all I would do mm-hmm. is feel the backpack in my neck. And it, I, it was just so irritating because it's just <laughs> like, why am I even using this? Because I can't, you know, I can't get it comfortable because when I get it off of my hips... I pull it up onto my shoulders, then all of a sudden I've got this thing in the back of my neck. And I love that setup that you have there because by adjusting this little area, the, the, the two uh, buckles right here, I can actually change almost the angle mm-hmm. of, of that when it's on my back. 
And I think that's a brilliant design. And there's nothing more frustrating than when you're hiking, you feel something pushing on the back of your neck. Yeah. So, and there's, there's this slight bend, you know, to try to keep it from, from hitting the back of your head, just some subtle things right there where I feel like there was just a lot of good development that we made sure was in the pack because comfort is, and again, like, our, our logic behind it too is everyone's like, well, if you got a 10 pound base weight, like you don't need a frame, you don't need, you know, the comforts, you know, that you feel like you need. But for, it seems like anyone that I have backpacked with or whatnot, there will come a time when you're going to have to load carry a bunch of water or you're going to be carrying, you know, I just took my, my like four-year-old boy out for a backpacking trip. I'm carrying two people's worth of gear. You know what I mean? And I'm taking all all the extra goodies to make it a good time for him. And so there's just times when you need that extra ability to carry some weight and, and not feel like you're want to die. (laughs) A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I've, I've carried uh, over 25 pounds in there comfortably. And I, I didn't have it figured out on the load lifters before. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, and then I got that dialed in. I was like, Oh, this is even with weight, this can be comfortable. And it's all, I think it's all about learning how to pack the backpack for you, learning where to put stuff, and then also learning how to fit it right for your body. Cause I'm a tall guy. I mean, I got a pretty long torso. And if if you don't have them fitted right, you can even buy the wrong size, you know, cause you think you you need one thing and you need another. You wouldn't believe how many people bought the wrong size. And we did everything we could because we took a survey, right? to, to, to place this, this order and, and get the sizing right. And what we asked them was, you know, how tall are you and what's your inseam? Cause from that we can back into the torso size and <laughs> we got that and we ordered based off those numbers of what people needed. Well, we put them for sale and guys that are over six foot just assume no matter what, that they are a tall frame, which is not true. One of my previous employees was six, four and was borderline small frame. borderline small frame so it's just every person's different but man you can't quite like tell people enough what that means so we had we we stock out of the large frame super fast because a lot of people ordered them that that shouldn't have and didn't look at the sizing charts and stuff like that yeah i'm 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 in that boat i'm five eight but i have a long frame like i'm just very long waisted and Mm -hmm. so whenever i get backpacks i have to end up getting the larger size torso for the backpack because that's just the way i'm built and um, yeah. I basically yeah. I, I tell people I'm a I'm a, a living hobbit is what it comes down to. <laughs> I got this like long waist, really short arms, really short legs, and these big hairy feet. So it's like I'm just a <laughs> hobbit, you know. And uh, you don't even so, need camp shoes, buddy. I know, man. I don't. They, they stay nice and warm all by themselves. It's really nice. <laughs> it's really nice. I think that's yeah. a, the, the the issue that you're talking about on the sizing, I think that's always going to be an issue when you sell stuff online. People can't come yeah. into Outdoor Vitals and try it on if they're living in, you know, Lexington, Kentucky. And so you have to order it online. And it's just something that we kind of got to deal with with anything you order online, really, that yeah. you wear. Well, what was sad for me more so than they ordered the wrong one is we didn't get enough. Ex- we didn't not many people did the exchanges, right? So they're walking around with a pack that could feel better, but they don't know it, right? Because, oh, like, yeah. back to your point, I'm I'm almost 6'3", and I'm a medium torso. Yeah, the large is not, Dang, the large bro, is not comfortable. I didn't realize you were that tall. <laughs> people say that in real life, so the the beard is very easy to recognize, right? So right. people will see me, and they'll be like, 
hey, you're that you're that outdoor guy, right? And then and they're like, whoa, you're tall because I'm always standing with like big sleeping bags behind me that are like you know well over six feet, and they're like on then the cameras on an angle, and they all expect me to not be you know, the height I am, but it's funny. I, I'm well, with you, man. I'm six three and I think mine is a medium torso. If I remember right. Yeah, I don't think I want to hang out with either one of you. I'm going to feel like a shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> All you tall offensive linemen. <laughs> That's right, man. Hey, it's a D line. D line. Oh, oh. Well, he's way tougher than you are. Oh, I played both. No, you did not. <laughs> yes, I did. You're just saying that because he said it. No, <laughs> I started is- offensive line, but I played both. Did you actually play defense, or did you just were you just a defensive lineman? For yeah, like drills? I remember my senior year, they they needed me on the line, and they wanted me to play both ways. And I was like, "Look, I'm too <laughs> fat for you guys to be playing me both ways. Like, you got to pick one or the other." So they pick offensive line. But yeah, I mean, Tayson, I'm sure you can attest to this. Whenever you play high school football, they they run scout team offense and defense all the time. Did you play high school football? Yeah. Oh, then you know, like. You have to have somebody to practice against. Yeah, so. but I played in a state where the football was competitive. Oh, okay. What state is that? Ohio. Oh, come threw, on, bro. I threw come up on, my bro. mouth a little bit. I mean, it, it's it's Ohio, Texas, Pennsylvania, California, Florida. Those are the, like the big football states. So, John, know. this is not about you. I want to say I'm not the one bragging that I played both ways. I'm just saying that's uh, this is about Tyson. We don't need to know about your. <laughs> Your Ohio State football? I didn't say I played for Ohio State, bro. Cleveland Brown that. We're just assuming you played at Ohio yeah, State. I, at this I did. Point. I, I started. I was the quarterback for Ohio State. You, you know, you Not know, a we chance. We play you in the championship classic in basketball this upcoming year. Oh, Ohio yeah. State versus Kentucky. Yeah, you're probably going to beat us too. I hope so. That's now I'm going to brag about it. It's basketball. <laughs> okay, I want to say something to Tayson. It's good because he's our guest. <laughs> <Yeah. talking> <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I'm a fly on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say thanks for uh, letting me do like the good and the not so good things that I agreed and didn't agree with on your all's design. I know everything is going to depend on the user and there's not a one size fits all, but I did want to say thanks for entertaining the idea of both things that I liked and didn't like. That's a, yeah. that's refreshing. No, no problem. I'm definitely not opposed to that. And, and I mean, I guess my thing is kind of going back to that initial conversation of anytime you put yourself out there, there's going to be both sides. And I feel like, you know, maybe the secret is to that being able to just filter and take what they're saying. Cause there's probably some truth to it and learn from it. And then everything else, just just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, so, there's so, constructive, and then there's destructive, and knowing yeah, the difference between the two is yeah. really important. So if anyone ever has feedback for us, like I'm, I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna listen to it for sure, for sure. So, I made it. I made a note. I made a note for you. It's it's it'll go straight to our designer. So is is the note about the chair attachment? Because yep. that okay, yep. good. That's if you all doing a 2.0, I'm telling you, I'll, I'll buy one that has a chair attachment. <laughs> we, we've got a pack that's coming uh that'll be released in september that's not an ultralight backpack it is a is that the one bag travel pack that you guys were talking about in the video mm-hmm. it's a it's a travel and adventure pack where we're kind of taking what we know about load carry and what we know about travel and and merging it right but you will love the uh 
attachment accessory system we've designed for that pack. You'll you'll love it. There you go. It's man. right right up your alley. So maybe we can maybe we can swing that over onto the shadow light in the future. Now we are getting ready to run out of time, but I want to ask you one more thing before we go because I have to know about this because I've been curious about it since, gosh, before the first of the year I would say, the tent. How how close are we to the tent? Because I've seen the tents in videos, and I'm I'm curious about the tent. Is there any news? Nah. Is there anything you can say about them? <sighs> Decline. No, I was kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I wish. I basically that is the single product that got massively affected by COVID. Is mm. the best way to put it. Um, to the point where we drug our feet way too long trying to get it to work with a with a a very reputable factory that honestly we this is this is coming back to that cottage and by the way like if you guys i know how hard it is scheduling wise so if you want to go a little bit longer I'm, I'm fine with this but going back to that cottage and big player thing is well we are working in the biggest best factories but it doesn't mean we have the most clout either so if you go on some of the big tent manufacturers websites you will see massive stockouts and when we contact DAC polls, for instance, and we ask for lead times, you're looking at like 12 month lead times for polls, right? Oh, wow. So, so essentially we were pretty new in this factory. We had migrated our tents into this factory and we were developing this new tent at the same time. And they basically, it just, it just kind of dissolved. We just could not get them to, to move at the rate we needed and, and stuff because they, I don't think they had the capacity or ability or anything to do anything for us. So we've since changed gears and gone to, um, another tent manufacturer that, that we've worked with, um, or another manufacturer we've worked with. And, and so things are now moving again, but there was a massive, massive gap there where we were just banging our head against the walls and wishing that we could do something about it so i guess i don't i, I don't know why i ever give anyone timelines it's the worst thing but <laughs> i will say don't expect them this year yeah that's it the, just yep. don't expect them this year not this year but yep Still working. Well, so are we going with the same style tent is it the is it the tent that you 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 were working on or are you doing a different tent yeah the, yes yes the the trekking pole style tent yeah. so Basically, in all of our videos, you'll see us using those because we went through four or f- four plus sample rounds, um, maybe five, dialing things in and getting them right where we wanted them. And we were literally like one sample away from ordering them when things started to kind of fall apart on it. Um, so if you look at any of our videos, all of our employees are using that tent. Well, I was going to say, I saw it in, uh, I guess Dan and Devin went with you on a trip there in Utah. Yep. And... Uh, I think one of them actually showed off the tent in their video. And yeah. ever since then, I've just been kind of like going, okay, so when am I going to get my hands on one of these tents? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, when that credit builds up, you'll have, you'll have something to spend on it for sure. Well, and, and given the way things are going and maybe have enough for two, we'll see what happens as far as <laughs> the timing of it all. I will be very sad if that is the case, but yes, yes, it is in the works and it's, I'm stoked about it. It's good enough that, that we've, like even though it's prototype stage, we've not stopped using the prototypes versus um, other tents out there. So it's it's cool. It'll it'll come. It'll come. Well, here's a very very important question about the tent. Since we're the same height, yes, I have a six moons design lunar solo. If there's condensation, it's a trek and pole style. 
there's mm-hmm. condensation, oftentimes either your head or feet are going to get wet at 6-3. There's not... I have been tent shopping like mad. I haven't told you this, John. I have been tent shopping, and I'm looking for a a tall person tent that's in my budget. Would I fit? Yep. Um, yes. There are still some slight modifications that I would like to see happen because I'm, you know, again, it's just right right there close to 6'3". And so... Um, if I'm centered, totally fine. But like, if you sh- start shifting throughout the night, there's a chance of, of it. So, um, I have requested that we start to look at just a. It just needs like this, you know, just just fractions on the one person. The two person, you're gonna have so much room, you don't know what to do with it. Mm. But um, we'll make it. I think we'll make it work, and you'll and you'll like it for sure. Um, again, because you know I'm. I'm, I'm you essentially, and it's got to work for me. Now, that being said, though, even at the, even if we did no adjustment, it's worked exceptionally well for me. I don't think you'd have any problem with it, but you know, there's, there might be room for an inch here, an inch there. Yeah. My, my problem is always like, you know, you're looking at your tent and there's always a picture of the dimensions of the floor and it's whatever, 88 inches uh, long by 25 inches wide or whatever. And it's got 45 inch head space at the tallest point. You're like, oh, perfect. But then like you put a, a two or three inch thick pad in there and you're laying on top of it. And then all of a sudden your head's not on the ground, you know, it's up elevated. And then the, the sides of the tent are coming in and then you're, you're poking it with your head and feet. And those tents say that they're 80 inches long and you're going to fit. They work fine for me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got no worries at all. I, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, good. I'm excited. I'm excited to see, you know, I'll, I'll be patient and y'all make good products. So I don't mind waiting. So, yeah. so, so Jason or Jameson or, uh, um, <laughs> oh, nice I, I, one. Just, I just had to do it because we were talking about this before the show. <laughs> had to fit it in. I got our two. He said we got two of those. So I had to get him in right there. But Jason, <laughs> why don't you share a little bit about, uh, how people can find you online and learn more about outdoor vitals and your story and how they can purchase stuff. Uh, just give everybody the download and all that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the best thing to do would, would actually be, if you're listening to this podcast, you're in a podcast, go check out our podcast. Um, it's really just me and my designer most of the time diving really deep on ultralight products and fabrics and design processes. We also do like once a month we go and do a trip. And so we'll do a, a monthly podcast about the trip. We'll bring in the whole team onto the podcast and talk. Um, so that's a really good way. Other than that, though, we, we do YouTube. We, we've, we've got our channel. You can get on our email list and stuff. We do try to really put out a lot of um, educational-based content. Um, my goal from the beginning was always to be able to run this so that the customer feels like it's a mom-and-pop relationship, like a mom-and-pop shop, you know what I mean? But then on the back end, be able to, to do things for them that, that mom-and-pop shops can't, per se, um, with whether it be with pricing or getting this these materials or whatever it is. Um, and so I think that you'd find a lot of our education educational content's pretty personal, pretty fun. Um, so I, I mean, I just, I just leave with that. Go, go listen to us. And if you're intrigued by something, you, I'm sure you can find our stuff online. And outdoorvitals.com is the website. Is that right? Yep. And the podcast is, uh, the live ultralight podcast, live ultralight podcast. Fantastic. Tayson, it's been awesome having you on. It's, it's been a blast. If you don't mind, hang out in the green room for a little bit and, uh, we'll chat with you just a little bit more after we get off the air here. 
Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll talk to you later. Once again, great guest. Another great guest, man. Great he guest. Entertained my ideas and uh, very open. And well, we're gonna find awesome. out. We're gonna find out when we talk to him in the green room if he actually entertained the ideas yeah. or if he's just being nice online. He's probably cursing right now. Yeah, he's probably hate Freaking your guts. Jeremiah, he hates you. It's a guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> but no, how awesome is it though? This is this is one of the things we were talking about with. Uh, the cottage brand companies and the younger companies and, and just the ability to be able to talk to the owner. Mm-hmm. You know, how it's many accessible. companies do you just get to talk to an owner of a company yeah. and, and just kind of hear the company's values and what they're all about. Um, pretty cool. Pretty cool conversation, man. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Yeah. yeah. Great opportunity. Absolutely. Big thank you again to Outdoor Beards for being our sponsor for this episode. Uh, thank you guys for hooking us up to make more of these podcasts available. Also, uh, just want to throw out there, if you are on Instagram, you might want to go check out the Backpacking Podcast on Instagram because we just posted a video sharing who all won our most latest giveaway. There were what, four people, four more winners, four more winners yeah. on that giveaway. So make sure you guys go check that out over on the Instagrams. That's right. We grammed it. Totally grammed it up. Posting pictures four yeah. days. Yes. And we'll probably post pictures from this. And hey, that's a good that idea, Instagram. man. I'll take a photo. I think we should. So with that said, thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you guys on the next go around. Adios. <laughs>